We're going to talk about bells today and how you need to jingle all the way. (laughs) Father, it's Christmas. Before the world was formed, Jesus was. He is the living word, always has been, always will be. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. May he be glorified here today. Because we celebrate what you have depicted for us in picture in the Old Testament. Now in actual reality in the new. He's the light of the world. So illuminate us and anoint us by the Holy Spirit to know your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. actually got students participating. That's good. It's good. It's great to have them in the service. Welcome. (laughs) When you think about jingle bells, that's what most people think about. Correct? Jingle bells. Sleigh ride. One horse open sleigh. Part of the country I grew up in, that was common and still is in some places back in that part of the world where you can actually hire out a one horse open sleigh. And go for a ride in the cold, blistery snow. Wow, amazing. Or you'll hear the old rendition of Silver Bells. It's Christmas time in the city. Yeah. Salvation Army reps are around the community, standing there at the door entries, ringing their bells, trying to get attention for the needs of the needy. But long before we started jingling bells at Christmas... God had some bells he wanted us to hear thousands of years ago. This didn't just start the Christmas celebration. This started in the heart of God. Make pomegranates out of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and attach them to the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. The gold bells and pomegranates are to alternate all around the hem. Aaron will wear this robe whenever he ministers before the Lord. And the bells will tinkle as he goes in and out of the Lord's presence in the holy place. If he wears it, he will not die. Wow. Notice the way they knew that Aaron was in the presence of God. They heard a distinctive sound. What sound was that? The sound of the golden bells. And it was a comforting sound of jingle bells on the hem of the garment of the high priest. Single bells. Wow. That sound meant the priest was standing in the presence of God. He was there where God dwelt. This was the sound of God's presence. In the Old Testament tabernacle, God set a protocol. And he said, if you want to enter into my presence, this is how you're to do it. And he gave Moses what is called the tabernacle plan. The tabernacle was this huge tented facility, and its walls were over seven and a half feet tall. And any man who walked to the tabernacle, because inside resided the glory of God himself, and you could not see over the wall because all were short of the glory of God. And the tabernacle was to be placed in the middle of the families of Israel, right in the center of the tribes right in the center where God could be centrally focused in the lives of all their families. Because God was saying, it's always been my desire to dwell in the middle of my people. 
So he said, I will dwell in the tabernacle. I will live there. And he said to Moses, you tell my people to pitch their tents toward my tabernacle, toward the house of the Lord. Today, as it was with Lot, many people, as Lot was a believer, as with Lot, many believers today have pitched their tents on the Lord's day toward Sodom, not toward the house of the Lord. But if you're going to save your children and save your families and save your marriages, you better pitch your tent and build your lives around the tabernacle of the Lord, the house of God. And the word says there was only one gate into the tabernacle. One way you could enter into God's presence at the tabernacle. There were not a multiplicity of doors. There was only one door. Now, watch the sequence. Moses hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. In other words, it was done. Tabernacle's completed. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. After Moses hung the gate, the glory of God fell, came right on into the tabernacle. It was the last thing that Moses did in constructing God's dwelling place. When Solomon built God's temple, the Lord says he hung the gate upon The word says he hung the gate upon golden hinges. I mean, so ornate was this building. And as soon as he did, the glory of the Lord fell into the temple of God. 2,000 years ago, the last gate to God was hung. This time, not on golden hinges, but on the ribbons of flesh, on an old rugged cross. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. On the one day, the Day of Atonement, the most important day in the nation of Israel, this one day, this one time, one man got to go and enter into God's presence. The high priest would put on his robe that had these bells ringing around the hem. And the first thing he would do when he walked through the gate, he would come upon the very first piece of furniture. It was called the brazen altar. It was the first item he encountered. It was here the sacrifice was to be offered. It was here the blood of the lamb was to be shed. It was here he would pray and ask God to receive his sacrifice. And if there is no sacrifice in your Christianity, if there is no sacrificial giving of yourself, giving all of who you are, then you haven't begun yet to take the first steps toward truly being a follower of Jesus. He said we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable unto him. He said it is our reasonable service. And what he's saying, that through the brazen altar, you get a picture of Calvary. It was where Jesus bled and died. And on the brazen altar, they tied that animal down using the four horns of that altar. And it was unable to move or resist being sacrificed. Blood was shed at the brazen altar because it was the place of sacrifice. It's a picture for us to learn from. Then the priest would move forward through the three-roomed house that God lived in. God had a three-roomed physical house on earth, the outer court, and then you moved past the veil into the inner court, and beyond yet another veil, you moved into room number three, the Holy of Holies. Outer court, inner court, Holy of Holies, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, man, body, soul, and spirit. And as the priest came through the place of sacrifice, which speaks to us of Calvary, then he came to what was known as the laver. 
in the laver was water. And there the priest would approach and cleanse himself. He washed his hands. He washed his feet. Speaks to us picturesquely of water baptism. The bottom of the laver was a mirrored reflecting pool. When the priest looked in, he would see a reflection of himself. And the Bible says we are washed in the water of the word. When I come to the laver, I see my mirrored reflection through the word of God that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. James said, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. So it's important to know the word is going to reveal us. The word is a mirror. It reveals to us who we are. And the priest was there at the laver, looking into the mirror and washing. And after he was done washing, his attendants would tie rope around his legs. And he would lift the hem of his garment laden with these golden bells. And they would tie that rope securely to him. With great fear and trembling then, the priest would approach the first veil. He would step through with a basin of blood, and he began to sprinkle that the three pieces of furniture that were present in the holy place. The priest would sprinkle a menorah, a candle stand, with seven branches on it, seven candlesticks at the top. And it speaks so strongly. The middle stem is the largest of all seven. It speaks of Jesus. And notice, out of the side of that center candlestick come the other stems representing the church. We've come out of his bleeding side. There were six other branches, the number of man. But when the six are joined and united with the one, the imperfect six becomes a perfect seven. And it's only through Jesus, who is the light of the world. See, at the tops of those stems, the oil-powered lights would be burning. Oil was extracted by crushing the olives for burning in those lamps. And it reminds us that if light is to shine out of us into our lost and dying world, you have to endure some crushing in order to produce the light. And the priest would sprinkle the blood seven times on that candlestick, the menorah. Then he walked over to the table of shoe bread. That speaks of Jesus, the bread of life. And the word says he's the bread come down from heaven. Jesus identified himself by saying this, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. There was a loaf of bread for every tribe, so every family was represented there in the holy place. And it speaks of Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus, listen, he said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus was born in the house of bread. That's the name Bethlehem means. He was placed in a manger, basically a watering trough. He was Jehovah, wrapped in a body, the bread of life. And when Mary picked him up for the first time, she held clothed in human flesh, God himself. Then the priest approached the final piece of furniture in the holy place, the altar of incense. 
And here is the highest act of worship that took place in the holy place. He took the censer and he waved the censer and curling incense would rise as worship rises to the Lord. And then he would approach that final veil and he would enter the Holy of Holies where God would dwell. It was the God spot on planet earth. So the priest would have to fill the room with the incense of prayer and worship. And notice the last piece of furniture to be sprinkled before he went beyond the veil into God's presence to honor him. And some people, listen, they never get behind that veil because they never comprehend the power of worship. You could not move past the veil except worship had to happen first. It had to rise into his presence. So the most important aspect to your Christian life, learn to enter into God's presence, not just on Sunday, every day. He said, you enter into my courts with praise. You come into my gates with thanksgiving. You are to swing the censer of worship to God. And it was at the place where worship was ascending, the priest, with great reverence and fear, bells ringing at the bottom of his hymn, steps through the final veil. And there he stands in the Holy of Holies. And the only sound to be heard as he held the blood of in that basin in his hands is the jingling of the bell. That's the only sound that anyone could hear. Jingling all the way. And he'd walk over to the Ark of the Covenant, the God box. It was in the Ark of the Covenant. You see, God said, between the wings of the cherubim, the God spot on planet Earth, he said, I will dwell right there. And his presence literally hovered over the mercy seat. Inside the ark contained the broken tablets of the Ten Commandments. It also contained Aaron's rod that budded, still able to produce, even though not connected to anything but the presence of God. There were samples of manna inside the God box in the Ark of the Covenant, the food that they ate in the wilderness. And it never rotted. It never grew stale in there. Why? Because anything that gets into God's presence is filled with life. And the priest would approach the ark with jingle bells on the hem of his garment. And he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat seven times. And if God accepted the blood and accepted the sacrifice, those bells kept on ringing. On the outside near the outer court, the whole camp of Israel was gathered. We don't understand the significance of these jingle bells, but it was the most important sound that their ears would hear for the next 12 months. The priest had entered the Holy of Holies. They could not see him. They were remanded to the outer court. They could not see behind those veils. And, and all they could do was listen Can we hear the sound of the bells? Can we hear them? Because if they heard the sound of the jingle bells, it meant for the next 12 months, we get to live in the favor and blessing of God upon all of our lives. It meant that diseases would not invade their tribes. It meant that their enemies could not overtake them. It meant that prosperity and blessing would be on their lives. And most importantly, it meant they would not suffer the judgment of God but they would live under the mercy of God as long as they could still hear the sound of the joyful jingle bells. Understand today, 
What an awesome thing happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born as our high priest. Because in the Old Testament times, not every sacrifice was accepted. The word says that Aaron's son, Aaron was the first high priest of Israel. His sons were entered in to the holy place. And the camp of Israel gathered around wondering if these sons who are priests could go in and offer sacrifice. Would their families be blessed as a result? Would their children live? Would there be famine? Would there be blessing on Israel? Would they see the mercy of God or would they receive his judgment? It all depended on the sound. Did they hear the sound? And Aaron's sons one day entered into the holy place. And the word doesn't tell us exactly all the things they failed to do. It gives us a little insight in what they did fail to do in offering their sacrifice. Perhaps the lamb that they offered was spotted and blemished. It wasn't pure. Maybe they didn't wash properly or take the right steps in sprinkling on those instruments that were inside the holy place. If something they did displeased the Lord, And under that covenant, it demanded perfection. And they displeased him by not following his directions. Under the old covenant, that demanded perfection. They dropped dead in the presence of God. Nadab and Abihu had died before the Lord, the scripture says. Back in Numbers, it says, These sons of Aaron were anointed and ordained to minister as priests. But Nadab and Abihu died in the Lord's presence in the wilderness of Sinai when they burned before the Lord the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. When those bells went silent, it meant death. We are under judgment. So they would pull the dead remains of the priest by that attached robe out from under the veil. And it meant judgment was going to fall on Israel. The blessing was lifted. So go back with me to the one day per year when the high priest would enter into God's presence. It was a very sacred and reverential experience. The fate of the nation rested on the shoulders of the high priest. And when the bell stopped ringing, it meant death had happened in the holy place. And the word says, listen for his sound. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers And its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord. The sound of death was silence. No bells ringing. If the bell lost its jingle, death had occurred. Now think with me for a minute. When Jesus Christ, our high priest, died at Calvary, he rose on the third day. And then he says something to Mary, one of his followers. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. Now, why did he say that to her? He was about to carry the basin filled with his own blood to the mercy seat before his Father in heaven. When he enters, Hebrews says, the presence, that's God, behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest. So Jesus steps before the Father, marches through the veil for you and me, sprinkles his own blood on the mercy seat, Jesus has become our high priest, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all. He entered the presence of the Father after the resurrection with his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Somebody ought to be happy here today. 
That's why on the day of Pentecost, the scripture says, there came a sound from heaven. Because right after Jesus sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat, just days later, in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem, there came a sound from heaven. There was a recognition that the acceptance had happened. When the priest entered the Holy of Holies, people knew the sacrifice was accepted because they kept hearing the sound. That means God has accepted our sacrifice. Jingle bells meant the sacrifice was received. Jingle bells meant that prayers have been answered. Jingle bells meant that God's going to bless our families and our businesses for the next 12 months. Jingle bells meant the blessing and the favor of God was going to be upon their lives. When Jesus entered into the presence of the Father, all of creation was waiting, anticipating, are we going to hear something? Is something going to transact between the Father and His Son? Will the Father accept Jesus' blood as the perfect sacrifice once and for all? And the answer came on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as as a rushing mighty wind. Wow. You ever walked out into your yard on a windy morning and the wind's blowing through the chimes and you hear the ringing of the bells? Yeah. That's what it was like in the upper room that day. The wind was blowing. The Spirit of the Lord was moving and bells were ringing. It signified that God had accepted Jesus' sacrifice. Every year I watch a program, the news program, and they usually cover this on an annual basis. This year they've got several different places they're covering related to the way people decorate their homes for Christmas. And just a couple of days ago they covered a man's house where he had strung over one million lights on his house. Million lights. Think about that. I mean, it's like the Chevy Chase movie. It's like, really? An average-sized house with over one million Christmas lights. Now, I thought about that when I was watching that, and they're covering the story, and these lights are everywhere, and the place is like daylight. And I thought, it would be cool if instead of that little logo they have, the little bug in the corner of the station that you're watching, they had a PG&E logo, and everybody's doing high fives because there's one million lights on this one house. And they're going to get to send him the bill. Wow, I bet they're really happy campers. Cars are all backed up, I mean, waiting to pass by the house. And they're asking him several questions in the interview, questions about why, what he does, and how he does it. And he said, you know, one thing I would advise you to do is to be very cautious when you have one million lights plus on your house, because you can electrocute yourself. (laughs) And he says, you have to have a GFI. A ground fault interrupter. Okay? Now, I'm not an electrician, but this is what he was trying to explain. He said, what that means is this. If you have a faulty wire, the ground fault interrupter will absorb that electricity and stop it and halt it from going on and shorting out, perhaps creating a fire. In other words, it will protect you if you have a fault somewhere. It will keep you alive. Otherwise, electric shock could harm you, if not kill you. And the greatest comparison I can give you to experiencing God's manifested presence is like electricity has gone through you. Electricity that blesses us. You know, with it, 
We can cook, we can light our homes, we can heat and cool our environments, but electricity also has to be respected. You must be careful with it because the same electricity does so many wonderful things can kill you if you don't respect it. That was the situation under the old covenant. God's power was so great and so good, it would bless you. It would protect you. It would take care of you. But at the same time, if you didn't reverence him, if there was a fault in the priest or a fault in what he was sacrificing, it would be turned from goodness to judgment and it would kill him. 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, Jesus became my GFI. He had been in heaven, and he said, I will descend from my throne down to that cave barn in Bethlehem and become your GFI. God's power today, as it was back in the oak, has not diminished. He is not a watered-down God. If an ungodly person came into the presence of God under the old covenant, he dropped dead. If an unholy man today had to walk into the raw presence of God, he would drop dead. But Jesus appeared and he placed himself between the power of Almighty God and my faults and my weaknesses. And he absorbs all of them and transfers all of God's goodness into my life and all of my penalties into his life. He absorbed all my weaknesses and all my faults on that cross. So when I speak of jingle bells, out of all the sounds he could have associated with his great and mighty presence, I mean, he could have had stringed instruments. He could have had trumpets blowing, signifying his presence. There could have been thunder. There could have been lightning. But he said, no, I want you to listen for the sound. The sound of my manifest presence will be these bells jingling. It means the priest is in the presence of the Lord, and he's living to talk about it. The Holy Spirit whispered to me, there are many churches, but not every church has jingle all the way. Because I do not want to just go through the rituals of religion. A worship team can sing, and that's wonderful, and some are talented and great. But there's a difference when a worship team sings and there's the ringing of the bells that signify the presence of the Lord is there. A man can preach, but there's a difference when jingle bells are there. There's a voice with inside his voice. You can speak to your children and encourage them to do the right thing until you're blue in the face, out of breath trying to talk to them. But there's a difference when dad and mom, when they speak, They have the ringing of the bells behind them, signifying that dad and mom have been with Jesus. So when they speak, it's more than just them speaking. There's the sound of his presence. The writer of the song is right. Jingle bells. Jingle bells. You have to finish it. Jingle all the way. See, you had to have jingle bells to get to him. But you better not lose the jingle in the bell. Because if it took passion and praise and I love you, Lord, and washing to get into the presence of God, it also takes passion and praise and constant washing to maintain the jingle in that bell and stay alive spiritually. The worst kind of death is death to God. 
and death to his presence. And many people, once they get in, they get their ticket punched, want to go off living any way they choose, and say, I'll make my own choices. Once they're born again, listen, and they lose through religion over time and routines, they lose the jingle in the bell. And they no longer have that sound. And they die in the presence of God. Listen, and do you know how many people have made it into the presence of God only to lose their joy and lose their worship and lose their praise? Because the bells didn't keep on jingling. But God said, make sure you keep the bells ringing. Because if he wears it, he will not die. And the way you stay alive spiritually, you keep worshiping God. You remain passionate after the Lord. You stay filled with his presence. And that's why we're going to fast for 21 days in January. Because if you have lost your jingle, you'll get it back inside your bell. At the end of that fast. It's a 21-day Daniel fast. Which means you're going to eat but specific types of things. And at the end of that fast, you'll be blessed immensely. Well, I don't know anything about fast. Well, we'll get you some materials in the next week or so. And at the end of the month, I'm going to preach to you a message that will help you understand a little bit about the importance of a Daniel fast. Because we're going to get ready for a glorious new year. And the word says, Jesus Christ has become our high priest. He put the jingle back in our lives. And as you step into a new year, God's will for you, when you go back to your job, it's not that you just get hurt physically, but people hear this underlying who you are in your character because he is in you and with you. And don't you want to be that kind of a husband that your wife hears this out of your heart? The kind of wife and mother that your family hears? This out of your heart. It means you have been in his presence. It means you have lived in his presence. And don't you want to be the kind of person, the favor and the blessing of God rests on your life. So I'm preaching to you, Calvary Christian Center. This is the time to enter the presence of the Lord. Out of all the sounds of Christmas, this is the one God said, I want to hear when you come into my presence, I want to hear this sound. You have to jingle all the way until you step through the gates of pearl one day and enter right into his kingdom forever. So I've not come this far to grow cold and stale and religious and lose my fervor and passion for Jesus Christ. I've not served the Lord in full-time service for over four decades to come to this place in my life where I die in the presence of God. I've made up my mind I'm going to be a worshiper, a greater worshiper than I've ever been. Made up my mind. Christmas... It's all about Christ in this man's life. I want my family to have the sound of jingle bells, that his presence lives among us. That's the most important thing at Christmas. So be sure you pitch your tent toward the tabernacle of God in 2014, not toward Sodom. Because a lot of people who've named the name of their high priest, have started leaning in the wrong direction. Just like Lot did. When he wants you leaning in his direction. Don't lose the jingle that you once acquired in his presence the first time. When his blood first covered you with sacrifice and forgiveness of sin, 
that bell should continuously ring. Be careful you don't lose a heart for worship and a heart for prayer and fasting and coming into the presence of the Lord. This is how you live in God, in whom I live and move and have my being. You don't just show up for church on Sunday and say, well, I punched the clock another week. You're going to die if you wait from Sunday to Sunday. Unless deep in your spirit there are jingle bells because regularly and frequently you spend time in His presence. Because there's nothing like His presence. The sound of the person who's been in the presence of the Lord has a distinct ring to it. It's in their speech. It's in their walk. It's in their character. Jingle all the way. There was a famous musician who played an amazing and skillfully on a trumpet who sang a song 35 or 40 years ago about the bell that wouldn't jingle. Don't become that bell. Today, the Lord is inviting you into his presence through his own blood. He says, welcome. I've covered you so you can step into my presence. And as you're shopping around in malls and preparing the cookies and the pastries and the good stuff and the meal, and you hear jingle bells playing in the background because they know the louder these get in the background, music, music, the more frequently their cash registers ring up sales. I don't want you to think about anything else but this when I hear these bells. That Jesus Christ is my high priest. And he stepped into the presence of the Father for me. And when you hear the Christmas music and you enjoy it, and you should, and we do, and it's, a, it's wonderful to sing, and it, it's spirit lifting, it's all that. But as you gather your family, my prayer for you among everything else, he is in the middle of your Christmas. Jingle bells. He's here. He's Lord of my family. His presence lives in my home. See, no one has to die and face judgment because he's not willing that any perish. He doesn't want anyone to go into the abyss. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And he wants to pronounce his blessing and favor over you for 2014. So you have jingle bells throughout the year. But there are people in the room who have lost their jingle. A lot of things you've allowed to accumulate in your life have interrupted the presence of God. And then there are others who are running from the Lord. And you think somehow you can run fast enough and far enough that you will escape what he's trying to do for you. You can run as hard as you want, as fast as you want, and as far as you want. One day you're still going to face him. And you need him. And you need his son to cleanse you so you don't face judgment. Pronouncing you holy and justified. And you look at his son and say, you've become my GFI. 
the shock of my sin has been absorbed by you. And instead of me blowing up and burning up, I get to light up once again and be restored to your your previous intent for my life. So you know what? That's the greatest story of all. The greatest story you'll ever hear told is the story of Christmas. And tonight we're going to share it once again. But in the next few moments, would you stand and lift your hands and say, Thanks be to God who have given us this unspeakable gift. And just hold steady for a few moments, please. If you can just wait just a couple of seconds. We reverence God's presence. The Holy One is in this room. And we don't want to mess with Him. This is very sacred to the Father because every, every moment of eternity, as He looks at us, He looks across the mercy seat right in front of Him and sees the blood splatter of His Son. And that's what holds back his judgment of us. This is very serious stuff. His blood covers us. While eyes are closed for just a couple of seconds.